Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Um, yes. And I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? <laughs> Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are diving into another letter from the mailbag. It came to us from a technician who is a senior technician in their practice, and they are struggling with feeling like they're in a practice where they have a manager in title, but they maybe are not actually doing what should be done as a manager. And this goes to talking about addressing behavior, bad behavior on the team, accountability, consequences, policies, procedures, protocols, uh, culture as well. This one is a big giant can of worms and Andy and I had so much fun opening it and diving in. Let's get into this one. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And... We are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie Gossipin' Folk Goss. <laughs> Some Missy Elliott gossiping. I'm not going to rap like Missy Elliott does. Not because I can't. Just because oh. no one will listen to the rest of the podcast. They'll just be like, play that again. Re- rewind, rewind that so we can hear... Andy, rap like Missy Elliott. Um, <laughs> hello there, Stephanie Goss. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm good. My my pitiful dog is uh, stuffing his face oh, between sticker. the arm of the chair and my leg. You know what I mean? Like he's his golden retriever part is coming out. He's a love sponge. He's a he's not good, but he's he like, is a love sponge. Don't stop petting me, Dad. Oh well, yeah. And he has, let's just be honest, he has reason to be concerned because <laughs> he's feeling he's feeling insecure and he should be because his position was definitely threatened recently. I uh, so I took Allison, we went hiking uh-huh. and we drove we drove up to uh this this uh this trail. Okay. And it's up it's up near Bristol, Tennessee, and it's called the Devil's Bathtub. And it was this awesome trip. So it was like eight or nine miles long, <laughs> but you have to cross the, the creek like 10 times. So you have to take your boots off and everything. So anyway, okay. so I am not taking this fluffy, goofy dog with it. He's being boarded as Alice and I take full advantage of our kids being at camp for the last time, okay. you know, of the summer. 
So we go up there and we get to the trailhead and I get out of the car and this dog, I, he was some sort of a rat terrier mutt. He comes tearing up to me like, oh man, I've been waiting for you. I mean, it was that, you know that experience when they, yes. like he yes. came running straight to me like, I am so glad you're here. Right. And, and he had a tag that said Bandit on it. And so Bandit was all about hanging out with me and Allison. And so as soon as he comes and he celebrates, he's like, let's go. And Bandit <laughs> leads the way to the trailhead. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. Where are your people? And, yeah, I was like, where are your people? Yeah. And he's uh, he's he's an intact boy, too. So I'm like, mm, uh -huh. this is it's not unusual, uh -huh. I bet, for Bandit to be out. Uh, and so anyway, so Bandit decided he he was like yep i'm with you guys let's go hiking and that dog stephanie he he stayed with us for like five hours he navigated the entire trail uh all the times we had to cross the stream he would go to uh, he knew exactly where he's going he would run down and then cross over a log that's like you know 25 yards off the trail right. or he would just hop from from stone to stone and it's funny we'd watch him and we'd see where stones were loose because he'd jump on some of them and they would right. shake and I'm like oh i'm not stepping on that one and but i told allison i was like we we're like six miles in i was like we might have a new dog and then when, <laughs> whenever we stopped to you know to take a snack he was right there he was right. like he was insistent that he also have a snack and i was like hmm this is not your first rodeo. Right. This dog has 100%. I bet he hikes that trail every day. And suckers every day give him granola bars and all sorts of things. And so we got back to the house or to coming back down the trail. Did his people ever turn up? No. Oh, no. So <laughs> so we get so we're 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 like a half a mile from the end of the trail. And I was like, seriously, what are we going to do with this dog? Like, do we just drive away and leave this dog? Yeah, I'm right. Like, he definitely seems to know what he's doing. And so anyway, in the last half mile, he just started getting farther and farther ahead of us. And he didn't even say goodbye, which kind of hurt. You know, it kind of hurt when he didn't like, he didn't look back over his shoulder. He just kind of ultimately left. And Allie and I were leaving and we went to the trailhead. We got in a car and as we drove away, he was there laying on a front porch of this little shotgun shack. And I was oh like, oh my gosh, how I funny. Bet, I bet Bandit's life is greeting people at the trailhead, hiking with them, eating their granola snacks. bars uh -huh. and snacks. And then coming home and crashing out at his house. Like, I bet oh. that that's 100% his life. Oh, and my so, gosh. Anyway, that's funny. So, yeah. So, Skip's a little bit insecure, and he should be, because <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm confident Bandit is also not a good guy. Like, Bandit is probably aptly named. I think he's I think he's a con man the whole way. That is, that is a dog that he was super fun. He's like that friend in college you had. Super fun. Cannot be trusted. That's bandit. <laughs> That's um. You already have a dog that cannot be trusted. So adding yeah. another one into the mix. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I can only like imagine. a rugged outdoor uh, bad dog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need two bad dogs together. They would. They would. They would run. They would run cons as a team on me oh and my, my wife. Oh my gosh! So anyway, that's that's what's going on. So Skipper is, is still insecure ever since I came home and smelled like Bandit. And uh, oh well, you know, <laughs> he should. Sometimes you gotta get the pressure on. You just keep, you know, it. like, hey, buddy, I, I could have you. I could have you replaced in a heartbeat if you eat my sandwich <laughs> off the countertop again. A hundred percent. You know how many dogs would love to live in this house with me? 
<laughs> you better get your stuff in line. Get it together, Skipper. Yeah, that's oh, right. Man. Oh, well, I'm excited. We have a, a great mailbag uh, question today, our series of questions. Uh, so we got a letter from someone who is a technician and they uh, have been at their practice for like six years and they are have kind of grown uh, in their role after having joined the practice as a technician and now are one of the senior techs on the team. And they um, love surgery and they love their team. They love the overall experience at their practice. There's a lot of good. They're really struggling because there seems to be a big problem and it has to do with the, what they say is a lack of structure. And that's one of the questions I want us to dive into. They said, <laughs> you <Yep>. know, <laughs> I think uh, we might have what <laughs> uh, I think they have. Um, they do have a manager, but it sounds like maybe this manager the actual job for this manager is maybe not practice manager. Um, so I'm not, we're not super confident on what their responsibilities or the level of duties being assigned to this person, but they do have a manager and they yep. are not actually managing because there is a lot of uh, lack of accountability with the team when it comes to the jobs. So when mistakes get yep. made, things happen over and over again, doesn't seem like anybody's really held accountable. And then sometimes there's consequences Sometimes there's not. They said sometimes, you know, someone has been talked to about issues and nothing seems to be getting done. And then other times people are randomly let go and nobody's sure. Is this an accountability thing? Is it not? Um, so there's that challenge. And then in addition to that, uh, that has been helping cultivate an, uh, an environment where there is tension and gossiping and backstabbing, bickering kind of behavior amongst the team, right? Because yeah. not, people are not being treated the same uh, and everybody is seeing that. And so they said, well, you know, the, the practice owner and our manager haven't really dealt with it. And I do feel like I have a good relationship with them and I feel like they might be open to trying to put some policies and protocols in place. They're not doing that on their own. And so could I suggest things to them that that might uh, be helpful? And they said, you know, this is this is I'm, I'm not a, a manager. I haven't been trained in. And, I, and so I don't even know where to start um, and in particular where to start when it comes to overhauling training, rewards, consequences, those kind of things, because that's where they see the challenge in this. And so they were asking if we had any input or advice because uh, they would take it all. <laughs> yeah, I I, you know, let me tell you what I love about this format. And when things come to the mailbag, they generally, by the time I see them, they get to my desk, the identifying information has already been stripped out of them, which means I have no idea who writes to us. And I really kind of like it because then I can always just say, look, I just, I don't know what's going on in your practice. I don't have any idea who this is. I just read what you send me and take that as the full context that I have. And then I tell you what I think. And I have a feeling if someone came up to me and spoke to me and said to me directly, this is what's going on, I would really have to balance their feelings a lot more, you know what I mean? And, and things like that. But when I'm like, look, I just read what was there and I told you what I thought. <laughs> and I don't know what else is going on. I don't, I, I don't know what the right. story is. I'm not there. I haven't seen your practice. If I have seen your practice, I don't know this is your practice we're talking about. And it liberates me to be much more honest and candid than I would ever be. <laughs> like if someone raised their hand at a lecture in front of 300 other people and were like, what do you think about this? And I'd be like, oh boy, I have to make sure I, you know, make sure I, I, I take care of this person who's been brave enough to ask me a question. And so 
with all that said, let me just say <laughs> at the very beginning, everything in this letter could be 100% accurate. And starting in about three minutes, I'm going to act like it is and, and go based on that belief. Between now and then, I'm going to point out. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see where this is going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and again, this might mean absolutely nothing. And I don't want anyone to get upset or anything. Whenever I see a, a letter that comes and it says, uh, this is my first practice that I've been at, there's immediately some flags for me about questions, right? And again, and, and that's just, so the writer here is like, hey, uh, this is my first practice and I've been there for a number of years and this is what I see. And there's, I always point this out because when people ask about management stuff is, if you've only worked at one practice, and you've only seen things one way, there's always the possibility that the grass is greener on the other side. Yes. Or, and again, I'll come back. Or what you think, you go, that can't be normal. And the truth is, that's 100% normal. All practices <laughs> are, do, are, are in the same weird boat uh -huh. and do these annoying things. Uh -huh. And so I, 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 I have to just put that out of like, no one's held accountable and people disappear and blah, 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 blah. And I go, okay, if this is the first practice that you've been in, it is quite possible that what we're seeing is is the normal level of people not being held accountable and just trying to make a business go. And so I don't I don't have enough information to to know whether what we're perceiving is really truly over the top or if this is a normal level of dysfunction of an American business, American or Canadian, you know, business. And so does that make sense why I say that? It totally, it totally does. And I, I think you're, you're not wrong. It's, that's one of those things where um, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to people is um, work at more than one practice. Even yeah. if you love your practice, spread your wings, girlfriend or, or guy, because whoever you are, you got to get out there and you got to experience things because every practice is different. And there are so many different ways to do it. And only with that experience and seeing you, there, three things can happen. You can go somewhere else and the grass can be greener and you can recognize, yep. oh, that was that was a mess. And there really is a better way to do this. You can yep. also go somewhere else and realize, oh, my God, there's we're this other place is so much more of a dumpster fire. We actually had our shit kind of more together than we thought we did. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's the surprise. And I think your point is a solid one, which is a lot of the times you go other places and you recognize this is a variation on a theme and everybody really struggles with some of these issues. <laughs> and this is, it is actually yeah. normal and it falls in normal has is if you imagine normal like a shade of gray there's lots of different shades to it right yeah. and there could be things that are more normal and less normal and so i think this is one of those things where you're not you're not wrong like it is it is worth recognizing that every practice goes through this at some yeah. point or another totally well so so i just want to say that in and that's why i said we're going to take about three minutes here just to call out and go Hmm. Whenever I see somebody who works in one practice and they say this is abnormal and, and these are not meeting standards, I always go, hmm, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 try, I try to kind of kind of gauge this and say, OK, is this the grass is greener? Is this uh, I haven't worked other places. And so I think that we're doing bad, but maybe we're not doing bad. Right. I always like to just put that up front and say, I don't know this practice. I don't know this person. I From now on, I'm going to assume that the level of transgressions that we're talking about exceed well what is normal. And we're going to spend the rest of the episode yes. going on about that. But I always yes. just like to call that at the beginning and go, 
sometimes people don't get held accountable or it doesn't feel like they get held accountable. And sometimes there's not a plan. And sometimes there's chaos and, uh, you know, and and sometimes we're not privy to the conversations that happen behind the scenes. Yes. And that's, there's a certain level of that that's just normal. Um, yes. I'm just going to go forward and making the assumption that, 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 that we're beyond that. But it's just important to call it out just so that when people um, start to talk about these things, they don't, they don't immediately jump to this is awful or Andy says that no one should ever be uninformed about what is happening. I go, okay, that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, right. so, and I would I would agree with you. And I think for me, there's a there's a big split here in, like we, we say, both of us uh, say should is a very, uh, is yeah. a very dangerous word, Good right? Yep. Um, and there, there are two things here. One is, HR related and disciplinary and what does accountability look like, right? Yep. And the other is cultural, is t- is teamwork, is gossiping, is bickering, is talking behind each other's backs, right? And those two things yep. can, be re- can be tied together. And sure. at the end of the day, the hospital leadership should be responsible for both of those things. And as a team member who is a leader within the practice, but not necessarily the manager, you have a responsibility when it comes to the cultural piece as much as your leaders do when it comes to the HR piece and the rules and protocols and policies and all the accountability piece. That is something that you can help and support and be a part of. But I'm glad you brought up the point, Andy, like that is, it's HR related, right? So it will always live in a world of gray because you cannot know everything. You are not in yeah. a position where legally you should know all of the things. And yeah. so that's one of those things where this is kind of, there's a split here for me and there's two there's two separate issues to be talked about. Um, but I think from a headspace perspective, the important part for me is what you said, which is that when it comes to the HR stuff, you just have to remember that you are never going to know all of the things, nor should you know all of the things. And so you have to start from a place of assuming good intent because you don't know the whole story. Yep, totally. All right, I love that. that that's that's the opening headspace place, I think, is let's just put it on the table and say, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff sounds like HR issues because we're looking at management and we're questioning HR policies and procedures. Know that, and it, it, I'm sure this varies by the state. Um, we, You and I speak nationally and internationally to people, so we tend to speak in the most rigorous of terms. Um, you are not supposed to know what is going on from a disciplinary standpoint with other people in the practice. Like you're, you're not supposed to know that the, um, it may look like people are just getting verbal warnings and then one day they're being fired. Um, there may be a robust process going on behind the scenes of writing people up, of yeah. corrective plans. Um, it is illegal for the people doing that to let the practice know that that's what they're doing. And so um, just just know, and you might say, no, I'm, I am very aware that these things are not happening. Um, I just always put that forward and say, 
you just know that you are not going to be privy to all the things that are happening. And that's a frustrating thing when you and we talk to employees all the time who go, I make these reports and I tell people what is happening and this is going on and they say, OK, and then nothing seems to happen. And I always have to try to talk those people down and go, hey, I don't I don't know what's happening. You can assume good intent and believe that a lot more is happening than what you know about. And you, the company, the business, the practice is not allowed to give you updates or tell you what they're doing. They, they simply cannot <laughs> do that. And so yeah. uh, so there is there is some of that. So I think, know that that's a thing, come with um, with a positive outlook and believe that, hey, maybe there's a lot of things going on that I don't know about and that that may be going on. And so that's just a good positive headspace to start from. Yeah, I love it. So start, start with empathy is the other thing. And I say this, and I always say start with empathy because I am the boss uh, who tries to run the show. <laughs> and, and you try to make a great place for people to work. That's not a military installation where there are rules and drill sergeants yelling at people, do this, don't do that. And their punishments being meted out. Um, and at the same time, people still need to treat each other uh, in the ways that match up with the core values, mm -hmm. and they need to treat each other in ways that are professional and to in ways that that get work done. And so it's always that balance. And I just have to say that as a business owner, I don't think people generally realize how hard that balance is to strike. Of this is not a police state, and at the same time, we still need people to do what they say they're going to do and treat each other with respect. And so, man, that balance is really hard to strike. And it's easy to stand in a place and say, boy, we should have more structure. We have more accountability. And then it's also easy to have too much and go, God, this is awful. We can't do anything. We're being in trouble all the time. My boss just rides me. I'm getting written yeah. up for everything. And I've seen both of those scenarios. And Everybody who's managing a practice is trying to balance those things. And so there is some giving grace. That doesn't mean that we don't need to fix things because we, we always need to work on them. But again, this is just about giving grace, starting from a place of empathy and saying, I bet these people who are managing the practice are doing their best and, um, and you know, and, and they're doing their best uh, and uh, and they they push in one way and then there's pushback and they sort of wrestle back and forth with that. But anyway, that, that helps me get into a positive, healthy space where then I can start thinking about what am I going to do in this situation? But I don't know. That, that, that's that's about it for me for Headspace. I think the other piece of empathy, I'm glad you said that. And I, the the piece that I would tie to that is as a team member, one of in, in veterinary medicine, one of the best pieces of advice that I could give is something that I learned the hard way, which is that I don't know. It, I would. I wish there was an actual percent, but I'm just going to give you my Stephanie's. Stephanie's got sense. Sure, shoot it. Ninety percent. I would say ninety percent of the people in veterinary medicine who are running practices as either a manager, a owner, medical director, combination of all of the above, have no formal training in business and leadership. It's really high. <laughs> say ninety, maybe. Yeah. It's Maybe it's less than that. But look, vets went to school to be vets. They didn't go to school, the vast majority of them, to be MBAs. Some, we yeah, have some, sure. we have, you know, we have some doctors who are who are vets and who have, you know, their law degree or whatever and have, have supplementary education that supports it. But there are way more managers and practice owners in veterinary medicine that don't have that kind of education and support than there are managers who do. And so one of the things that I always tell the team is 
when it comes to getting into that headspace, just taking a step back and remembering that it makes it so much easier for me to assume good intent because we we don't know what we don't know as human beings. Yeah. And if I can look at somebody and be like, oh, this, you know, Andy went to vet school. He didn't spend all that time learning how to, you know, the ins and outs of HR and management. That's its own separate degree. Right. And so if I think about it in that context, it becomes a lot easier to ratchet down my frustration or anger or whatever to do <laughs> a level that feels um, manageable sometimes. And so I, I agree with you. I think the big part of the headspace for me is that you have to start with empathy and that makes it easier for me, I think, to start with that empathy um, because I can look at them as a person and be like, yeah, it's easy to give you the benefit of the doubt. You didn't go to school for this. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's I think that's super important. I, I really like that a lot. The last thing about headspace that I want to put on, I said I was done with headspace, but there's one more thing I want to put on just as I'm thinking about our action steps that's what I'm thinking ahead is, uh, based on the letter, there's, there's, there's a bunch of things going on here, right? There's accountability. There's, they said, you know, there's not a lot of structure. Uh, there's gossip. There's these, there's these people not only getting verbal warnings and then just, and then, and then being let go. And there's just a, there's a lot of different things here. And so we're going to be, when, Know that there's a lot of different things going on in this in this question about what's happening. Yes. And again, um, Rome wasn't built in a day, and this is a this is not one question of how do I get my practice organized so all these things goes away. This yeah. is really it sounds like there's a lot of different things going on, and we need to make some structural modifications and changes. And that's going to take time because it's not a one uh, a one tweak, one light switch Mm-mm. flipped problem. This is a lot of different things. So again, settle settle in a little bit with some patience and then uh, let's take a break and then we'll start to work through this, shall we? That sounds good. Hey guys, I just want to jump in here real fast and give a shout out to Banfield the Pet Hospital for making our transcripts available. That's right, we have transcripts for the Kona Shame Vet Podcast and the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. You can find them at DrAndyRourke.com and at UnchartedVet.com. This is uh, part of their effort to increase inclusivity and accessibility in vet medicine. We couldn't do it without them. I got to say thanks. Thanks for uh, for making the, the content that we put out more available to our colleagues. Guys, that's all I got this time. Let's get back into this. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about, about where we are. And let's let's talk about trying to work this into a into a reasonable place. My goal coming out of this is to have an action plan uh, like for the team, I guess is what it would be. What I'd be working for is not to have all the problems solved because there's 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 a bunch of different things going on and mm-hmm. I, I don't have clarity on exactly what that is. And it's just too, too much. So I think when we talk about action steps, my my idea is not to build an action plan that solves the problems. My action steps are to build a collection of action steps that will walk us down the path of solving the problems in an organized, ongoing way. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I'm looking at this. How do you feel about that, Stephanie? Yeah, I think I think for I think I'm heading the same direction you are with where to start. Because yeah. for for me, I think it, some of it, a big piece of it, is what are, what are you trying to get out of this? Yeah, because there's so there's a lot to un unpack to your point and it it is a it is a multi-pronged challenge and so uh, before i figure like before we can say where do you start the the best question i could give you is what do you want to get out of this what does success look like yeah yeah because if you can't define that for yourself i don't think you can figure out 
where to start because where you're going to start is going to depend on that question. And there's yeah, a couple I, different ways they could go. Right. But I think you got to ask the question. Yeah, I, I like it because because this, this is a big uh, it's a it's a big it's a big multi tentacled beast problem. Uh, anyway, whatever. <laughs> This is mixed metaphors. Uh, we need to get a North Star. We need to figure out what to, uh, this is. A, yes. uh, sorry, let me step back and go. This is a long, this is a long journey we're talking about. We need a North Star. Yeah. We need to know where ultimately trying to go. And and that's the first thing is what does this look like when it's done? What do you want the practice to be like? How does that actually look in your mind as far as finding the balance of accountability and autonomy for people to kind of do what they want and to be themselves and express themselves and and interact uh independently things like that so where, where are we trying to go what does that look like so set that north star and so I, I would start with that the other thing that i would say is um remember the spiral staircase right and business is a spiral staircase which means you're always looking and you're like if i could just get to that next level everything would be great and so you work hard and you get to the next level of staircase and it turns and you know what's there another staircase and like guys that's life and that's business and there's always going to be next staircase and so mm -hmm. just just put that in your mind mm -hmm. the big thing for me is north star what does this look like what do we want our practice to be like if you haven't done your core values exercise i would do your core values exercise if you don't know what that is consider getting your leadership uh to join uncharted uh and check out our core values uh workshop that we do where it's just um we figure out what do, what do these people care about what does the team care about what is what do we want the practice to be from a meaning and purpose standpoint and and when you have those things it makes it makes your priorities a lot more clear. It makes your action steps a lot more clear. You understand kind of what needs to happen first that's going to make the biggest changes to the things that you care about. And so start, start with a core values exercise. Uh, what, what is our practice meaning and purpose? And I guess that, that's kind of North Star as far as where you want to go. But I, I really would do that exercise because it's going to get everybody speaking the same language. It's going to get everybody talking about where they want to go and what they care about. And, uh, and once I have my core values, you know, how do you eat an elephant? The the answer is one one bite at a time. Yeah. I, I would start to uh, pick my priorities of what are we going to tackle first? And then I would just start to chip away at the problem. And I love the, the, the it's a truthful uh, reality. It's backed up by research, but I love the, the truth that we as human beings tend to underestimate uh, what, sorry, we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. Um, it is going, know that this is going to feel frustrating as you start to work because it's going to take a lot longer than you think it will. But if you stay at it in five years, you're not going to believe where you are and how far you've come. Yeah, I I like that. And I, I agree with you about the North star piece of it and so to help get to that point and to get to the point where you could start to look at you know core values and some of the things there that are cultural and that require some experience to help set up and facilitate and figure out um you know wh where do you even start with that for me i would start with a brainstorm and kind of a brain dump and and whether you do it on paper or you do it in your head I would ask our our listener or our writer and um, anybody else who's in this situation to think about like what what actually is bothering you 
Like what yeah. what is frustrating about your practice and make and make a list and write it all down and be as specific as you can. Is it is it how the team is treating each other? Is it that people are getting let go and you don't know why? Like until you pinpoint what is actually bothering you and what's bothering the rest of the team, I think it will be very hard to figure out what that North Star is. So that's step number one for me is is yep. doing that brain dump. And like trying to actually get it all out and figure figure that piece out of it. Because um, the first piece for me, I think, falls between um, that brain dump, which is a personal thing and you can do on your own, right? And the North Star, which is going to have to involve the rest of your team. If you're talking about core values and figuring out who you are as a group there's a step in between there for me for this person which is something that anybody on the team could do and so our you know our writer said look we have some challenges with the team gossiping feeling like there's tension amongst ourselves and and bickering and this is where you don't have to be the manager you don't have to be a senior technician any member of the team could could have the daring and the bravery to say even if it's to one other person, hey, I feel like we have been really stressed out. We've been picking at each other lately, like validate the scenery and find out, do they see it the same way? Are you seeing this in, you know, in your head one way and everybody else is seeing it differently? And so for me, it would start with what can I do as a team member in this position? And where I'm going with that is trying to figure out why it's happening because one of the most powerful tools um, that any member of the team can put in their toolbox is having a set of rules that you guys as a team agree to play by. And I don't mean rules like what are your policies and procedures and how do people get disciplined for things? What I mean is we're all human beings. We're going to show up at this place and we're going to work together. How how do we show up for each other? Do we tolerate talking about each other behind our uh, each other's is that yeah. a cultural standard that we have have set? And if it is and you want to change it, take someone being brave and speaking up and saying, hey, I think that this is a problem. Right. And and that's a really scary place to be because you run the risk that you stand up and you you be brave and you say it and no one else backs you up. But yeah. I pretty much could guarantee you that if you're feeling the way that our writer is feeling, there's probably somebody else on your team who's feeling the same way too. And so it's yeah. about taking that taking that step for me. It's about starting with doing some sort of brain work and self-work to like figure out what is actually bothering you so that you can kind of figure out your plan of attack. And then as far yeah. as the cultural stuff goes, I think you're spot on, Andy. And I, I would say to this team, like they, they need some <laughs> they need some work uh, figuring out where to set up their culture and a good yep. in-between step for me that doesn't require it coming from a leader is the ability to say, hey, I feel like maybe we've been having some gossiping and it doesn't make me feel good. I don't like getting talked about and I don't like talking about other people. Would you guys all be willing to agree that we're not going to talk about each other behind each yeah. other's backs? you know, and, and then, and then say, okay, we're going to agree to this. And, and I love writing it, you know, I love writing it down and capturing it and putting it up on the wall. It could be as simple as writing it on your board and the treatment board. Maybe it starts with one rule. Maybe it starts with 10. It's different for every team, but being able to say like, how are we going to show up? How are we going to treat each other at work? That for me is a place to start with the cultural issues. 
if this team has never done any cultural work before. No, I agree. Um, I, I like that a lot. I, th- I think you're I think you're right on it. So so I, I, it's funny. I like your approach better than mine. Uh, my, my thought was. <laughs> wait, 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 that, wait, wait. Let me revel in that for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like your approach better than mine. I, I, I would, I would abandon my plan to do your plan. So, so I was about to, I was about to start talking about priorities and how we set priorities of the things that we change first. Okay, and so, you know, we talk about the North Star, we talk about the team core values, and then I was like, all right, then we're gonna set priorities. Uh-huh. But I really like where you were is if you set the North Star and you set the team values and you include the team in those values, then the next smartest thing is not for me as a leader or a leadership team to start hacking away on things. It's to go to the team and say, what about this really bothers you guys? What changes would you like to make? What, how do you guys feel? What would you like to do? And you are always better off to yes. do what the team wants to do as far as making cultural changes, because that is where their energy is. The hardest part of making changes as a leader is getting the team energized and bought in and mm-hmm. motivated to make those changes. And so the smartest thing, especially when you've got when you've got a list of 50 things that that you could do. The smartest thing is to say to the team, what do you guys want to do? Because that is going to require less management, less motivation, less coaxing, less following up, less holding people accountable than anything else. And so that's why I say, I like your idea better than mine. That is a, that, I missed that trick there in the setup. I, I'm really glad you said that. So the first thing I do is take that list and go to the team and say, how do you guys feel about this? What are the things like, we're going to focus on on one or two things? What would you guys like those things to be? and then let them do it. At some point, you're going to have to start driving the bus and making decisions yourself about what you want to fix. And and when you do that, my sort of short and dirty priority setting exercise is to say, okay, you're looking at these things that you don't like or things you want to fix, and you don't know where to start. The worst thing you can do is not pick something. It's to try to hack away at everything. You'll always feel overwhelmed. You'll always yep. feel like you're failing. You know, it's just too big. You have got to pick a small thing and do it and then pick the next thing and do it. And that's why I said the thing about we overestimate what we can do in a year mm-hmm. and underestimate mm-hmm. 10 years. You've got to start walking. You can't stand in the parking lot with Bandit looking at 15 different trailheads deciding and not deciding where you're going to go. Yeah. Pick one and walk. And yep. so- that quick, dirty way is what causes you the most pain, which means what is the thing that makes you is triggering you, that's making you angry, that is mm-hmm. causing the most fallout with the pet owners? Like, what is the biggest pain point that you have? Number two, what is the greatest frequency that you have? What is the one that is bothering you every other day. Mm -hmm. Every other day, we have a client complaining that they can't get on the schedule. I'd say, well, that sounds like a frequency driven issue that we should prioritize. And the last thing is what can be one and done? Meaning what is a thing that we can do and then it's done and we and everything else benefits from knocking that thing off the list. So, for example, um, let's say that you have this big list of things that are causing a problems, causing problems. And one of them is the printer is broken. And I'm like, oh, that's a thing that we can fix today. Right. And then the ability to print will help us get everything else done. Mm-hmm. And so go fix the printer today. It's, it's low hanging fruit. It's visible get it done and then print till your heart's content and uh, and that will help you get other things done. So those are my things. And again, there's not one that's like, oh, take pain over frequency or one and done over the other things. I think for me, my, my, my mindset is 
if this is a Tetris game, what is the annoying piece that is blocking up all the other pieces? Yep. I'm going after those first. And then I'm either going to go after what is causing me the most pain or what is happening again and again and again. And if I could just get it fixed, then that pain would go away. And right now it's just, it's just, it seems like every time I turn around, I'm dealing with this issue. And so I, I don't think there's a right answer. I think it very much depends on the circumstances, but I would I would start using those criteria to pick things off of your list, work on one thing at a time. If you fix one problem a month, you're like, that takes forever. It's like, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. In, in 10 months, if you fix 10 cultural problems, you have done an amazing turnaround. Yes. Yes. And and I think to the writer asked, you know, like, look, I, I recognize I'm not the I'm not the boss, I'm not the owner, I'm not the manager, but I feel like they would be open to 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 feedback or suggestions. Lean into that, like yeah. have the conversation with them and just saying, hey, I've been thinking about this and this is what this is what's really bothering me. And I just really would like to know how you guys feel about it, because I'm not the leader and this is bothering me. So I can't imagine how you must be feeling about it and see if they bite, see if they see if they give you anything, see if they're willing to help you. Because even if look, (laughs) this could turn into a full time job for you. (laughs) You let it like sometimes this is how people become. This is sometimes how people become managers because they can't keep their mouth shut. And that that is the story of how Stephanie Goss became a manager, because I asked the questions, (laughs) right? And and there's a longer story to it. But this could become a full time job for you, writer, if you want to. And it also could just be you've been at this practice for, you know, five plus years. Lean into the relationship you have with these people and just say, hey, I, I this is stressing me out. I've been thinking about this a lot. And I just I, like I wanted to know how you guys feel about it and help them figure it out, because maybe it's just that they need a push. Maybe they need to just yeah. hear. I can't tell you how many times in my career as a manager, I had a team member who I had a relationship with, who I valued their opinion and I respected them, asked me a question that turned on the light bulb or was eye-opening of like, I didn't realize, like I knew that it was bothering me, but I didn't realize it was bothering everybody else. And that was all of the motivation I needed as the leader to jump into the deep end and say, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to fix it. And so it doesn't have to be you learning the skills to do all of the things that you just talked about, Andy, because I think that could be really daunting too, right? Like if you don't have any of that experience, how could I learn about priority setting? How could I learn about how to talk about vision and and mission and and core values with people? That can be really intimidating. It could be as simple as giving somebody the push to figure that out on their own. If you are the writer and you're like, I would actually that like this is something I'd be interested in learning more about. There's also nothing wrong with educating yourself. And this is the last piece of advice I was going to say or suggestion would be this is a great sounds like great potential where if you are if you are a floor leader or you are, you know, a middle level leader in your practice and you have an interest in continuing your own development this is a great time to find a mentor, find somebody who is an experienced practice manager or hospital administrator who does, who has a different job than your practices, office manager, or, um, you know, homegrown manager who doesn't have any training and 
and learn about their experience, learn about their skill sets and figure out how to bridge that gap. And that education and that learning process is not a quick one. So it's not the first place where I would start, but it certainly would be an opportunity for you to, to learn more and connect with, uh, you know, your your peers and just soak it all up. And, yeah. you know, because you you learn, you can learn so, so, so much and, and really quickly, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. I think we've, uh, this has been a wildly big, beastly question to get our arms around, uh, but we did it. Uh-huh. And so, yep. So there we go. Um, guys, that, that's what I got for you. I, I think that's sort of, that's sort of where I am. Uh, it's a, I hope that we gave people good things to think about and, uh, didn't muddy the waters too much, uh, as, as this was a, this was a big unwieldy tentacled beast that's in between us and our North Star. I mean, how yep. hard is that to follow? <laughs> I think it comes back to just um, it takes a little bit of positivity, like just just start with some good, good thoughts and say, I don't like this. This feels negative and feels not good to me. And this is how I can be more positive about it. And and if that's you dealing with it, if it's asking somebody else to deal with it, um, but but figuring out what exactly is really bothering you and what feels the most important because you're you're not wrong andy it is it is bc and there's multiple things happening and so i i i think figuring out where do you start is is the heart of it so this was fun awesome cool thanks guys everybody take care of yourselves have a great week everybody hey friends have you been over to the website lately to check out all the fun and exciting things that are coming from the Uncharted Veterinary Team? If not, you should stop right now and head over there because we have got some awesome stuff coming late summer and into the fall and winter, and I want you to be there with us. We have our Get Shit Done conference coming in the fall. That is happening in October. Before that, we've got a workshop coming in September from my dear friend, Dr. Phil Richmond. He's going to be talking about avoiding toxic teams, how to create psychological safety in our practices. We've got uh, te- the amazing and wonderful technician, Melissa Enchkin, who is leading a workshop in October about leveraging technicians, making practice less stressful for you, them, and your patients, and all kinds of other fantastic things you are not going to want to miss out on. So if you haven't been over there lately, head on over to unchartedvet.com. You can hit forward slash events if you want to go straight to the events page, but that will show you everything that is coming. And remember, if you're an Uncharted member, your membership gets you access to all of these workshops that we do on a regular basis for free. And if you are not currently a member, you can check out the membership information because it will save you big bucks throughout the year on accessing all of the workshops. And it scores you access to the conferences when we have them like Get Shit Done for less money. That's right. Get a discount. And who doesn't love a good discount? Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.